Warning, this episode contains adult language, mature situations, partially invisible evil former athletes, a misused invisibility ray gun, a confusing main heroine, arguably the worst version of Rock Holmes, a lack of Osamu Tezuka side characters, and a crazy plot. Listener discretion is advised. Spark and Monger View, episode 371, Osamu Tezuka's Alabaster. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Spark and Monger View. I'm your host Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? I hope that all of you out there are safe, healthy, and most importantly, happy. And with everything going on right now, I think we need a little bit of happiness at the moment in time. Now, I'm going to try to keep things as lighthearted as possible because of everything going on out in the real world. 2020 seems to be this year that's just slowly getting more and more insane as things go on. And I'd rather people be safe right now. And yeah, anyway... I try not to be political in this, so let's get to it, shall we? So, hope you're doing well, hope things are going great, and if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Spirekin is a podcast that provides informative reviews about connected enhanced narratives. What does that mean? Well, pretty much every episode we talk about one or two geeky topics, and we tell you the pros and cons about it. Since this is the manga review, obviously we talk about manga. And we tell you how the art style is, the overarching plot, the characters, the release style, and the physical copy, and if it's worth investing your time in or not. You don't have to agree with anything that I or my co-host say, but we try to be educational, exciting, enlightening, and most importantly, entertaining. You can listen to any of our 370 earlier podcasts at www.spirekin.com. We also have our movie review, game review, television review, anime review, and all the other podcasts at that location. You can also find us on Twitch, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and various other social media sites. Just type in S-P-I-R-A-K-N, and I guarantee you'll find us one way or another. And final plug, remember to like and subscribe us on all those various social media sites, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I always am cool with people messaging me and tagging me. I love it, and I'm always down for a good debate on Twitter. So now that we've gotten all that shameless plugging out of the way let's actually get to something which is kind of important at this moment in time something that i didn't talk about because it's still a little bit fresh and i've had time to digest it and think about it and also get through it either way let's start so on the 29th of may 2020 this saturday several people in the anime community got together to memorialize zach bershey for those you don't know Zach Pershey is someone who's been in the anime community for over 20 years. He was part of ANN since 2005. He was involved with several conventions. He was a part of Anime Insider. And he's someone who's been prolific in the community. I knew him personally from the Answer Man column and several columns he wrote on Anime News Network. But he's been around throughout things. I have several friends who've been, who've known him for years, who've hung out with him. I've hung out with him maybe twice. And while certain things we've disagreed with, and there are things that I completely were against that statements he made, I respected him and thought he was a great guy. And unfortunately, on May 21st, he passed away. So several people got together to talk about their friend, Zach Bershey, people who've met him, people who haven't known him, people who were influenced by him. And it was a truly momentous, and I've got to say it was uh, occasion that it choked me up a little bit and I know several people who watched it it was very touching and it was a heavy topic to deal with 
I think it's still available on Twitch, and I know that ANN has a link to it. If you have a chance, check it out. It shows how much he's loved and how much we're all going to miss him. <sighs> yeah, um, I, I want to say more, but um, I don't want to be upset on this podcast, so let's move on, shall we? Because we're going to get to the segment, which kind of people have been enjoying. And a lot of people like that I now put music in the background. And we're talking about the manga news of the week. And we've got some pretty interesting news items. And a lot of new publication announcements. Now, the big one is that Kodansha Comics is debuting four new manga titles in July. And one of the big ironies is that the majority of them are by the same mangaka author. Not the artist, the author. So... Kodansha Comics is debuting four new titles to be released digitally and physically in July. Now, on July 7th, digitally, Cells at Work Bacteria, a.k.a. Hatataku Saiken by Akane Shimizu and Haruyuki Yoshisa is being released. Now, to explain this very simply, I'm going to read the synopsis. So, cells are not the only thing at work in your body. Deep in your gut, a war rages between good bacteria, bad bacteria, and opportunistic pathogens. And occasionally against outsider invaders. And if bitter rivals Welsh Basilis, leader of the bad bacteria, and Bifidobacterium, leader of the good, get their way, the battle for intestinal supremacy and safety will never end. So, this is a spin-off of Cells at Work or Hatataku, and I gotta say, this one seems really engaging and just weird, because this shows that bacteria are not all that bad. Another educational manga. So on July 14th, uh, Kodansha Comics is releasing digitally Cells at Work platelets, or Hatataku Kishobanchan, by Akane Shimizu, and art by Yuko Kakihara and Yazu, or Yaz. So, the synopsis for this one, the platelets may be the littlest members of the Cells at Work team, but they won't let that stop them. They've got the important job of closing wounds, which they do with pride, and a few hijinks along the way. So, if you are a fan of the platelets from Cells at Work, this is the manga for you. Now, third, on July 21st, again, another Cells at Work spinoff. Cells at Work Baby, Hatataku Saibo Baby which is by Akane Shimizu and illustrated by Yasuhiro Fukuda. And this one is simple. It's about the cells who have teeny-weeny chubby-wubby hands that are filled with problems as they're working hard with their newborn baby body in the newest literally spinoff of Cells at Work. This is a super cute one, and this one would be fun to give to little kids to show their stuff. Now, finally, on July 28th, one which is not cells at work. We've got that time I got reincarnated again as a workaholic slime, or Tensei Shite Mo Shichika Dateken, which is by Fuse, Mitsuwa, and Shizuku Akichi. Now, this is essentially Rimru is getting reincarnated as a slime, but he's now in the modern world. He's still a slime. No one thinks he's weird. And Top it off, the entire cast of the Slime Fantasy crew are working at this company that he's now a part of, for better or for worse. So Rimuru is back in business. So I'm intrigued by this, and I'm kind of horrified by this as well. So in other announcement news, uh, Kaiten Books, a new company that we talked about recently, they announced they were releasing Loner Life in Another World and Shed That Skin Ryogasaka-san, which is going to be their launch titles, has announced a few more licenses for their launch. 
The first one is my dad's the queen of all YouTubers, or sorry, VTubers. Oyaji ga bishonjo ni nate nate hanashi by Wataru Akashingo. And then Usa Maid. Our maid is way too annoying. Our Uchi no Maid ga Usa Shigeru by Kanko Nakamura. Release dates aren't up yet, but hopefully they'll release them soon. The synopsis for both these are very intriguing for Usa Maid based on the anime which came out. It's a story of a girl who shuts herself away from the world and she gets the attention of a crazy eccentric ex-JSDF master sergeant who wants to become her maid. And so it's taking things to the extreme to get close to this character and there's just lots of crazy situations. And the other one is about VTubers who it's an online irritation that have surged in popularity. They capture the the hearts of millions and the most popular is the so-called queen of VTubers named Kazuki Yai. And our main character is a average high schooler who's one of her biggest fans and he discovers that this person is the real deal, and the actual cute girl behind the screen is not a cute girl behind the screens, but is actually to the kid's dad. And it's a horrible secret, and he's now going to either make his dad quit or become absorbed into this world of VTubering. Sounds intriguing, engaging, and horrifying at the same time. I'm more excited for Uzumade, but my dad's the queen of all VTubers might be really funny as well. So, what else? Square Enix announced on June 1st, a.k.a. Monday, some new release titles for manga that have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic's impact on their production, shipping, sales, etc. So here are some new release dates for some of the new series coming out in November. Well, originally they're going to come out in August, now they're coming out in November and beyond. So first off, we have the Apothecary Diaries, something I was really excited for, Kazuriya no Hitorigoto by Natsu Hyuga and Neko Kuragi. This is being released now on December 8th, 2020. You have Raiga Crimson by Daiki Kobayashi. This is now coming out on February 9th, 2021. You have Beauty and the Feast, Yakumo-san wa Edukega Shitai by Satomi U. And this is coming out February 23rd, 2021. And finally, The Great J Will Not Be Defeated, Jaysamaha Kuji Kenai by Wakame Konbu is now being released on April 13th, 2020. So we have some new release dates for Square Enix and also for releases for Kaiten Books and releases for Kodanja. So those are all our new announcements for new announcement news. And now let's get to some other interesting news. We've got four really big things going on. First off, on November 18th, Shogokuken's Flower Magazine will be releasing a spin-off story chapter of Taiko Watanabe's Kaze Hikari, which currently is being released by Viz Media in English. Now, if you haven't read Kaze Hikari, it's a cool period piece set in 1863 that involves the Mibu Roshi, who eventually will become the Shinsengumi, and it's about an apprentice to the first captain of the Shinsengumi, Okita Shoujo. This warrior, Kamiya Shizaburu, is an up-and-coming warrior and wants to become the best, so they give her to Shoujo. However, the truth is that actually Shizaburu is actually a girl named Tominaga Sei in disguise. She's pretending to be a boy. And the question is, will she be able to hide her identity? And will she be able to become a warrior? Well, you got to read the title to 
find out. So I'm intrigued that they're doing a spin-off story, especially because the series has been on hiatus for a couple of years. Anyway, other news. On July 1st, the creator of Peach Girl, Miwa Ueda, is launching a new manga titled Sorato Itoshika Otosuma-sama, also known as Even So My Dear Wife. Now this is going to be based on the Daisuke Suzuki novel of the same name. And the novel is an autobiographical story about Suzuki, who worked as a reporter for a long time, but he had a stroke at age 41. And the novel followed his rehabilitation and recovery and his wife who supported him. So I am kind of interested in seeing this autobiographical novel being turned into a biographical manga. I think it could be really well done. And especially with Miwa Ueda's art style, I think it'll do it justice. It's going to be a little cute, but I'm intrigued by this. So for our next news item, it's something which is kind of different. So Shuisha's Tonari no Young Jump published a chapter zero for a new serialized manga on the 29th of March. This is a manga adaptation of Studio Trigger's new original TV anime, BNA, or Brand New Animal. Now, the series was drawn by Asano, and it looks really cool. Now, uh, BNA we haven't got in the United States yet, but we're going to be getting it on Netflix on June 30th in English. And it's a series I'm hearing a lot of really cool things about. It's very different to Beastars and very different to Zootopia, but it's got a little bit of that twist to it where it's humans who can turn into animals, kind of like weird lycanthropes. Uh, for more information, we will definitely go over it in our anime review once it comes out. Anyway... So our final bit of news is kind of epic. So the latest issue of the culture magazine Brutus, which went on sale on June 1st, 2020, this Monday, it was themed around love for manga and featured six illustrations by various manga artists drawing images of other manga that they love. You had Daisuke Igarashi, Children of the Sea, who drew Demon Slayer Kimitsu no Yaiba. You had Rensuke Oshikira, the creator of High Score Girl is drawing Akai Hana. You have Katsuya Terada, creator of Blood the Last Vampire, drawing Golden Gold. You have Keigo Shizo, Nora Tuzazo, who drew Skip to Loafer. Natsumi Ono, creator of ACCA 13 Territory Inspection Department, drew Nazuno Kaijin Shinkiro. And finally, Kazuhiro Fujita, creator of Ushio and Tora, drew Semi Seke no Identity. So this is kind of cool. You had manga artists drawing manga art from their favorite manga series. And you had tons of essays written by professionals, celebrities, people you would never expect. For example, the Asian Kung Fu Generation drummer Kiyoshi Ichima, the theater director Suzuki Matsumo, novelist Sayako Murata, and many, many others. Now, the cooler part about this is that the magazine also gave a nod to a handful of U.S. celebrities who had previously shared their love of manga publicly. And some of these people are John Cena, Michael B. Jordan, Haley Williams, Megan Fox, Avril Lavigne, and so many others who got mentioned in this. So, I would love this to be released in an English translation. Maybe it's on available online, but I'd love to read this and read these articles and see these images. Someone had to have posted it somewhere. Well guess we're gonna have to wait and see so that is our news for this week hopefully we get more later and now we have our manga releases for the week everything that came out on june 2nd 2020 yesterday 
And there were 27 titles that were released this week. Some digitally, some physically, but let's see what we got. We've got A Centaur's Life, Volume 18, the manga. Adachi and Shimamura, the light novel, Volume 1. You have Akashic Records of Bastard Magic Instructor, Volume 9. Aohara Ride, Volume 11. Black Clover, Volume 21. Demon Slayer Kimitsu no Yaiba, Volume 13. Dragon Ball Super, Volume 9. Food War Shogeki no Soma, Volume 31. Grand Blue Fantasy, Volume 5. Jujutsu Kaisen, Volume 4. Love Me for What I Am, Volume 1. Magical Girl Sight, Volume 12. My Hero Academia, Volume 24. My Hero Academia Vigilante, Volume 7. Natsumi's Book of Friends, Volume 24. Nurse Tomi's Monster Infirmary, Volume 11. Queen's Quality, Volume 9. Rent-A-Girlfriend, Volume 1. Saint Seiya, Saint the Show, Volume 10. Satan's Secretary, Volume 2. Skeleton Knight in Another World, The Light Novel, Volume 5. Spy X Family, Volume 1, finally being released over here. And this is one of the ones that was nominated for Best Manga of the Year. Uh, you have The Promised Neverland, Volume 15. To Love Rue Darkness, Volume 16. We Never Learn, Volume 10. Yona and the Dawn, Volume 24. And Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc V, Volume 7. Now for me... I'm excited for Promised Neverland, Spy X Family, Rent-A-Girlfriend, My Hero Academia, uh, Magical Girl Sight, Grand Blue Fantasy, and definitely Adachi and Shimamura, because I've heard good things about it. Don't know. It might be good, might be bad, but we're going to have to wait and see. The one I'm least excited for is A Centaur's Life, because that series should not have lasted 18 volumes. It's kind of, in my opinion, a garbage series. And the other one is, surprisingly, Turavu Darkness. Another one I don't think should be that long, but I could be wrong. What are you excited for? Are any of these ones that you're going to pick up on Amazon? Or, since a lot of stores are open, are you going to go to a bookstore to actually check and see if these are available? Let me know, spirekin at gmail.com, or email me personally at zan at spirekin.com. So, now that all the news, all the releases, and my little explanation about Zach is out of the way... Let's get to the main point of this podcast, and we're talking about the review of the episode. So, if you remember from the last episode, I spun that one, that only, the Wheel of Manga. And it did turn to be that reviewing a manga that I didn't know who it was originally written by, but after I found out, I was super excited. This is a manga that was released by Osamu Tezuka, and it was published by Akita Shoten and released over here by Digital Manga Publishing, so DMP. The original run for the series was December 27, 1970 to June 28, 1971. There are three volumes. I believe it was released in a one-shot when it was re-released. Not entirely sure. It is a shonen series that is a suspense series. And the title of this manga is Alabaster. So, the premise of Alabaster is kind of horrific. But I'm going to go through it. So, Alabaster is the story of James Block. He was a superstar athlete who made it to the Olympics. Everyone loved him. And also, before I forget, he is a black athlete. Everyone loved him. He was great. He was amazing. And he fell in love with a girl he saw on TV, Susan Ross. So eventually he shows up one day and he asks her out. And because he's the superstar athlete, Olympic champion, she says yes. And they go out for a year. Things are great. So... 
James decides to propose to this girl he's in love with. And immediately she turns him down and she's really rude about it. She tells him that he's beneath her, that the only reason why she dated him is because he was an athlete and she wants nothing to do with him. And when she says no, he gets upset, starts yelling at her. The police show up and they start to harass him. And obviously you can guess the reason why, but long story short, James gets arrested, he gets put on trial, and he ends up going to prison. And in prison he meets an insane mad scientist named Dr. F, who tells him all this secret stuff, including the fact that he had a secret lab where he created a device, the ray gun. And what this ray gun is, it turns things invisible. And he actually points out that he used it on himself and his pinky finger is invisible. You can't see it, but you can feel it. And he's used it for several experiments and he wants James to use it for whatever he wants, for revenge or whatever. So James ends up going to the secret lair of Dr. F and he finds the ray gun and he uses it on himself. But because it's so painful, he moves away before it finishes making him invisible. Now, the plus side is that he didn't die from this process, because it turns out if anything is turned completely invisible, it will die. A part of it has to keep showing in order for it to remain, so it's not full invisibility. It's got to be partial. So, But the really fucked up part is that James is now a skin man. You see his tendons and his eyes and his veins, and he looks monstrous. So he decides, I am no longer James Block. I am now Alabaster. <laughs> So he ends up going to Susan's house, harassing her manservant because Susan lost all her money. She's no longer a TV star. And then he proceeds to methodically kill her in a way which is crazy. And at one point, he makes her body invisible. She's been killed because she's all totally visible. And as he's carrying her corpse to do something horrible to it, the police say, Stop! Don't put down that invisible corpse! Fucking mind-blowing, mind-boggling, and crazy. And this is the first chapter of this insane story. So, he runs off and then goes to chapter two. Chapter two of this manga is about Amy Ozawa. She's a young girl. And she is really sad because she's actually invisible. Except for her eyes. Turns out that her mom, who's a prosecutor, adopted her from a friend. And it turns out that her grandpa was Dr. F. Dr. F experimented on his daughter, used the ray, and it didn't completely work on her, but it, it mutilated her horribly, so she looked horrible. But she gave birth to a perfect little girl, everything's fine, and the little girl starts disappearing as she grows older, just becoming invisible. Freaks out the daughter, the daughter kills herself, and prosecutor Ozawa ends up adopting her. And the little girl doesn't know what's going on. All she knows is that everybody is mean to her. And they make fun of her because she's wearing makeup at five years old. They call her a tart. They call her weird. They call her strange. And it's heartbreaking. The only person who cares about her is her older brother, Kanihei, who doesn't know that he is not Amy's big brother. Eventually, he finds out and he says, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, doesn't matter. She's still my little sister. I'm going to protect her no matter what. And during this time... 
The prosecutor gets a call from Alabaster who says, Listen, Dr. F entrusted her to me, so I'm going to come and take her one day. But no, you can't. I've raised her for years and I want her to be happy. It doesn't matter. She's my property because I'm just like her. <laughs> and so, years pass. Amy's now a teenager. Or a young girl. I think she's like 10, 11 because it said four years pass and she was so 11. And now she's more invisible than usual. And the girls are essentially calling her a whore because she's wearing $1,000 worth of makeup at a time. And eventually they splash water on her. Her face shows up to be invisible, freaks them out. And a kid comes up to her and says, I know you're there. I could see you because he could see her eyes. And so he says, listen, I'm not going to tell anybody you're invisible, but you got to do me a favor. See, I want you to steal the answers for the next test. Give them to me and I'll sell them. So blackmail, he does it. Then later on, he convinces her to do another crime, and he gets arrested for it because his perms are nowhere near there, but he was by the location. He had the motive. He's the bad guy, and he had the, the diamonds on him or the jewelry. So he goes to jail for her, and he won't say that she's invisible because he actually likes her. However, because he did that and because he's willing to go to jail for this little girl who shows up, but Alabaster. And Alabaster breaks this guy whose name is Genya, and his friends out of prison, and they proceeds to kind of kidnap Ozawa, but actually convince her to come with him, and they'll live in his magical castle that he made, and commit crimes against all the beautiful things. So they've created a weird criminal syndicate, which is insane. Now, with all the crimes and things happening, especially with the fact that there's a Reagan that will turn people invisible, who will save the day? They need a hero, a good protagonist. Unfortunately, they don't get that. They get an asshole. Rock Holmes. He's a guy who wears sunglasses and he is a douchebag FBI agent who only loves himself. He also, well, he does love all things that are Greek, so because they're beautiful, because they're descendants of God. But he hates anything ugly and he thinks everything is ugly. He hates all ethnicities, he hates all colors, he hates all races, he hates men, he hates women, he hates children, he hates fat people, thin people, he hates everything. He's a super horrific person. And Rock is assigned to this job. So he ends up kind of getting caught by them by pretending to be a girl. He gets captured because he's a crossdresser and a weirdo. Ends up finding their base and attacking them. He captures Amy. And then after threatening her and violating her, he ends up uh, losing Amy. Amy escapes. And now she has become crazed with anger and wants revenge against the beautiful world. And so she now agrees with Alabaster and insanity ensues. This manga is tragic, it's heavy, and it's dark as all hell. Now, unlike some of the other Tezuka works where you have a character that's relatable, enjoyable. I mean, even in series like Moo. You had a character that you were like, okay, this is the good guy. This is definitely the good guy. This series, every person is essentially reprehensible. Amy, at first, she's a great character. She's a good girl. And then because of what Rock does, things go really bad. And she gets really dark and crazy. The only person you could say is potential protagonist is her older brother who shows up at the end of the series to rescue her. Because he's now a news reporter. But everybody's bad and it's not a bright story. When you research this manga, I actually found out some cool things about it. The fact that this was made at a point when Osamu Tezuka was kind of in a slump. 
And he wrote this story, and he admitted after the first couple chapters, he hated this series. He hated all the characters in it. He thought they were all despicable, and he didn't want to finish it. But he did. And the ending of this is super tragic. It's nobody wins, and it's not like Apollo's song, which there's a point to it. It's not. This is a weird horror suspense story where everything goes wrong, and it feels very anti-Tezuka. The art style is there, and something else is he doesn't use the star system in this. Except for Rock Holmes, everybody's an original character, and they're characters that never come back. I don't think anybody was reused. Except Rock Holmes in this series makes Rock Holmes, who was before this kind of just the... He was first a teen detective, and then he was kind of a okay bad guy, and a little bit of a mischievous guy. He's now a straight-up fucking bad guy. And I don't like him in this story at all. But as an Osama Tezuka fan, it's a story which shows an interesting thought process into his mind. And because of this series, he actually would eventually develop Blackjack. So I can't really hate on this, because it does tackle a bunch of subjects. It tackles uh, racism, it tackles prejudice, it, it, the concept of beauty versus uh, power. It does tackle a lot of very big topics. It's just a very angry series, though, and a very kind of hateful series. And usually I give Tezuka stuff really, really, really fucking cools. This one I cannot. I just... I can't get into it. I don't like it. And while there's some great points to it, it makes me feel uncomfortable. And it's not intentional. It's like this was not a good work. And unlike Ayako, which had a happy ending or message to Hitler, which that manga, it's dark, but there's it, it's got a steady point to it. This one just seems mean-spirited. And I don't want to hate this. I really don't. But I don't like it. It's that simple. I don't like it. And for that reason, I'm going to have to give this a, a typical reading material at a local correction facility or psychiatric institute. This is a manga that sh the art is great, but all the stories are terrible. The story is terrible. And while it's interesting, the concept of a ray gun that will turn you invisible, but if you're completely invisible, you'll die, that's kind of fascinating. But the rest is not great at all. It's kind of a horrific series. So if you disagree with me, let me know. Email me, spyrkin at gmail.com. I'm willing to debate this series. I really am. I just... I don't know. Maybe I missed the point on it. Probably did, but... Let me know what you guys think. Um, now, with that in mind, remember you can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spirekin.com. You can email me personally at zanatspirekin.com or on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and various other social media sites. Just type in S-P-I-R-A-K-E-N, and I guarantee you'll find us one way or the other. Remember to like and follow us. And one more last thing, if you would like to, please go to tinyurl.com forward slash H-E-L-P-X-A-N, helpsan, and you can go to our 
uh, iTunes page and you can actually write a review for us, like us, comment. It's like putting a tip in the chip jar and keeps me going. We've been doing this since 2008. I love doing it, but every time I see a like or a message about how good we are, it just brightens my spirits a little bit. So anyway, with that in mind, let's get to the final part of the episode, the part you've all been waiting for. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about that one, that only, the Yes, friends, the Wheel of Manga, except no substitute. Now, what is the Wheel of Manga? The Wheel of Manga is a Wheel of Fortune with 10 slots on it. And what I've done is I've assigned a manga tile to each of the 10 slots. And what we're going to do is we're going to spin the Wheel of Manga. Whatever number it lands on, that's what we're going to review in the next episode of the Spyrokin Manga Review episode. 372. And I'm excited because we've got some really good titles on here. And one title which I'm kind of worried about, but we'll see how that goes. So let's spin through a review. Number seven. Oh, that's, uh, well, I shouldn't have put it on the list. Well, anyway, so in the next episode, we're going to be reviewing a manga which has blue in the title once again. I think this is the fourth title we've had recently that had blue in it. We had Blue Period, Grand Blue Dreaming, um, some other stuff, but I'll have to look it up. But anyway, so this is called Blue Phobia. Um, Interested to figure out what this is about, but we're going to have to wait and see for next time. I may actually release the next episode a little bit early because I want to release an episode more than once a week. I don't know why. I'm kind of in the mood to do something different, change things up a bit. But that's my prerogative, so just keep looking for the new episodes. As usual, I'm your host, Zan. Hope you guys are doing well. I am Gonsville. Catch you guys next time, and keep reading manga. See ya.